Welcome to Reflection of Kings. I'm Seth. And I'm Takeshita. We are a group of black boys who talk about issues that impact our community. Today we're going to be interviewing the founder of Black Yields Institute, Eric Jackson. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, good brothers. How y'all doing? Good. Good. Good, good. My first question I have for you is, what do you do? What do I do? Um, so, as a Serving director of Black Yield Institute, I do a couple of different things. I, um, we're a Pan-African organization that is uh, building power. So what that means for us is um, figuring out how we can um, ensure that our community has the types of food, land, resources that we need to produce the food that we need. Um, so we do a little bit of growing food, we do some research, we do a couple of different things. Where did your passion come from to make sure that the Black Yodov Institute became a reality? Um, so, man, uh, that's a very good question. So the, I think the first thing that I would say is, um, my, I, you know, I guess people talk about awakeness, right? Uh, my awakening happened uh, when I was in college. I was learning about food system issues and learning about power and, uh, you know, studying history and recognizing that, man, the people who I grew up around had many, uh, and my, my family, you know, had many uh, diseases, you know, issues that they dealt with that I learned were preventable, meaning that we could have stopped them from happening. And I also learned that those things were um, systemic. And because they're systemic, my thinking is that um, we're, we can do something about it. And so that's where my awakening happened, but I would say at least that um, my passion came also from my relationships. One of the most important relationships to me is the relationship of my grandmother, who was um, who passed prematurely, uh, transitioned into the realm of ancestors when I was 14. And so by the time that I went to college and I'm learning all these things, I'm remembering her sacrifices and remembering that she actually, you know, unfortunately died because of the very issues that I was learning about. And so because of that, we need to do something different. So that's where the passion kind of started as a very young one. But then also the awakening happened when I realized that I could do something about it. And so I started doing some organizing with people uh, to get to the to the point where we are with Black Yield Institute. Okay. My last question for you is why is the Black Yield Institute so important? That's a good question. Um, I'm biased, of course, so uh, I think it's important because we need black institutions that address the problems that we have for ourselves. I would say that one of the biggest things that we could do is solve, well, to determine what our problems are and solve our problems in our own terms, right? And when I talk about building power, I'm talking about being able to have the type of resources and relationships that we need to actually, um, 
you know, to to deal with those issues that we say we have, right? Rather than having somebody else do that for us. Um, and so Black Young Institute's goal is not only to make sure that we have grocery stores in our community and we grow our own food and uh, that we tell our own narratives like, like you all are doing on the show, but I think it's important because for us, we're looking to change it around. We don't wanna just say, well, you know what? In our community, we need a grocery store. We need to own it. We need to be the ones that, that do it and we need to do it for ourselves. And so because of that, I think uh, what's really important is that our um, institution is about building other institutions. So that's why I think it's important, not just that I think we do cool stuff, but I also think it's important because um, our approach to the work is, is really important. And we're thinking about, just like you all are doing, intergenerational work, right? This, this has to take decades, right? And uh, before the cameras start rolling, I told y'all, hey, when y'all get to a certain point, y'all gonna be, mm, we have to practice what we wanna get good at. And so Black Young Institute is about practicing self-determination. So that's why it's important. Okay. okay. For my first question, I wanna ask, what is food apartheid? Food apartheid. So uh, food apartheid, I think, in general, is a system of oppression based on race, uh, primarily and class as well, that uh, has people disconnected from our food, our land, our culture, and unfortunately results in um, diseases like uh, diabetes and high blood pressure and other issues like that. Um, and also I'll say that when I talk about food apartheid, I talk about it in um, not only defining it, but also meaning that it's about thinking about history and the systemic nature of uh, limited access to food and um, and uh, destruction of self-determination. But I also talk about it in comparison to this term that we're given called, um, I guess they call it food deserts, which doesn't speak to the power dynamic. And so for us, uh, when we talk about food apartheid, it's about thinking about um, how to change the conditions and actually build power rather than just, you know, uh, thinking that you can just say, oh, we're going to bring in a grocery store to this community and we're going to solve all the problems. It's deeper than that. And so that's why we lift up that language of food apartheid. So um, I know that your work is centered around Cherry Hill and what are you doing in those in that area to help with food apartheid? Sure, sure. So we are um, in Cherry Hill. So I'll say Black Hill Institute's work is, is citywide, but we do a bunch of work in Cherry Hill. Uh, one of the um, initiative areas we have is our um, People's Urban Agriculture uh, Initiative, where we, uh, we grow food on an acre and a quarter. Uh, we grow food, like edible plants, but we also grow ornamental plants. Um, those are plants that you can't eat. And then we also are establishing a cooperatively owned grocery store. And so that's a different kind of model rather than one person or a few people owning it. It's owned by the members or the people who use it. So in, uh, in the best case scenario, you have a grocery store that's owned by the people and used by the people. And then we also have a couple of other things that we're doing with like this research um, and just being a part of the overall community development. So that's, that's what we're doing. And like I talked in my other answer, um, 
when we're addressing food apartheid, we recognize that it's not just about having good food, but it's also dealing with the the uh, systems and practices that stop us from having those, the good food as well. So we also do political education. You know, making sure that our people are building relationships and developing an analysis um, of what is going on so that it's not just Black Youth Institute doing the work, but that we are just stewards of the work and we're doing it together. Okay. For my last question, what can Black people do to stop food apartheid? Mm, that's a good one. So the first thing that we can do is uh, listen to programs like these, right? And to, to build relationships with one another. I always talk about, uh, move, our work is about building movement. Movements are centered on relationships. So we gotta build relationships, we gotta continue to learn, but then also uh, to think about, as we are learning together, thinking about approaches that we can that we can take in our own neighborhoods, in our own homes, to uh, divest in the current system that we have, right? Where corporations control what is available in our community, where other, um, uh, racial groups and other groups that live outside of our uh, communities control what we have access to in our community. And so in order to, to push against that, we have to be able to create alternative um, opportunities. And so that just means that as we're learning together and studying together, that we figure out, well, what can we do? So that might mean uh, establishing a farm in your community, but that also might mean you know, uh, establishing a grocery store, but it also could mean um, you know, finding ways to save seeds so we can give, you know, to others and so that we have our own seeds. But there are a, a, a myriad of things that we can do um, to address all of these. It might be standing up an herbal clinic in our community. It might be having a, a youth mentoring program or whatever it might be. Um, restoring water. I don't know. I mean, there's tons of things that we can do to uh, to address food apartheid and be a part of this movement toward black land and food sovereignty. But at the very basis of it, we got to unite, we got to unify, and we got to have a collective vision, because otherwise it'll be an idea and concept of black land and food sovereignty, but we won't be moving toward, toward it without uh, having some clear plans. So that's what I think we can do. Come together, plan, figure out what we're going to do, make it happen and continue to look at it and, and figure out um, what we want to do and then uh, and, and figure out how we can do it better over time. Okay. Thank you for watching Reflection at Kings podcast. I'm Seth. And I'm Takesta. We would like to thank um, Mr. Eric Jackson for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me.